Enlighten Me, the podcast everyone is talking about with your host, Julian, where wisdom, knowledge, and experience meet the public. This is your host, Julian on Enlighten Me. Today, we'll be talking about COVID-19. Uh, before anything else, I'd like to ask if you can please uh, subscribe to my YouTube Enlighten Me. I am on Apple and Google Podcasts and Spotify. Just search Enlighten Me, it'll pop right up. So, yes, and I have a good host today and a nurse, actually. So we're going to get some good insight and wisdom on what is COVID-19. So if you can just uh, introduce yourself and what you do exactly, please. Sure. Thank you for the invitation, Julian. My name is Iris Lundy. I am the Senior Director of Health Equity with Sentara Healthcare. Sentara is a large integrated delivery network system located in Virginia and in the northeastern part of North Carolina. We have 12 hospitals and offer a host of other services, and plus we have a, um, a health plan. Uh, as far as what I do, um, it's interesting because my, my job came up probably uh, just right before COVID started, maybe about two and a half years ago, um, this position was created. Sentara has always been out in the community making things happen, um, looking at equity, but it was important to our board and our system that um, we had intentional resources whose sole focus was on this. Now, equity is not a just a department. It is a um, it is something that permeates everything you do, and it looks and it's looked at in everything you do. And so, um, the the whole system represents that and supports that. And I think that's very important. I'll say that the other thing that I think is important is um, people understanding the difference between uh, equity and equality. So, if you think about equality. That's everyone gets the same thing. It's just equal. When you hear a lot of people talking about that, well, we just want equal this or equal that. Not really. We want equity because equity is about giving everyone uh, what it is they need. So it's meeting that individual need. And if you think about um, a family of four wanting to go on a, a bike ride, and let's say you have a child with disabilities, you have a 10-year-old child and child with disabilities, let's say they're like seven, you have a 10-year-old and then we have a husband and wife, but we give everyone a bike that only fits the dad. So we have given everyone something that is equal, but we haven't been equitable because we have not met the needs of the other three to be able to live their best and healthiest life. And that's what equity is about. It's identifying those things and working with um, community partners to figure out how do we close those identified gaps. Now, what, what majors, uh, what did you go to school for exactly that leads you up to this career field? Why did you choose this? So my, uh, my undergrad was in nursing. And then in, I've been in nursing for many years, over 20 years now. And um, I mean, it's been, it's been an interesting ride. And then when I went back later in life to get my uh, master's, I got it in health leadership. And as we began to do some things around population health, it just made me realize more how much I wanted to just serve the community and, um, and be able to create a better experience for people, help them understand what healthcare is like and, and 
and how to maneuver that system because healthcare speaks its own language sometimes in my opinion. So I thought that was important. And when um, my leader began to talk about them creating uh, this type of position, I was certainly interested. And in, you know, honestly, I felt like it, it was a call to, to do this kind of work. Wow. And as, as you started foregoing this has led you to this exact department in home equity or home equity. Is that correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, how have, how have you seen that differentiate or change over the past two years when COVID started? Yeah, you know, it's very interesting because when we started out, I was really looking at data and data is important. Well, let me start with this. Two things are important, right? One is you need data, which is uh, quantitative but you also need lived experience, which is qualitative. And so sometimes we get very data heavy, right? And, and you can manipulate numbers, I believe that, but we do, we look at numbers because we wanna understand from a scientific standpoint, what is the number showing us? But sometimes the numbers don't always um, show you lived experience. So you need to get out there and talk to people. And I think COVID really helped us say, you know what, we, we need to be more intentional about hearing people's stories. How is uh, life impacting them? And how is that showing up when we meet them? And what do we need to do to change that narrative so that it becomes a better narrative? Everyone wants to live um, a good life and they should be expected to have quality of life. And I think we all have a, uh, we all play a part in that. And we need to look at that because there are some who believe that health care is a privilege. I personally believe it is a right. Everyone has the right to good health care. Mm. And I know from my experience, not everyone has health care. How does that go about? I'm an adolescent in the healthcare field, so you have to enlighten me a lot. I'm sorry, you have to say a question one more time. So being that not everyone has health care, but you'll treat somebody, of course, when that walks in the, health, the hospital without health care, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's, and it's really about this. So anyone who comes to a hospital, yes, we're, we're going to treat you. It doesn't matter whether you can afford it or not. That's just going to happen. But what my job is about and, and what um, our system is about is how do we look upstream? That means how do I look prior to you even getting to my hospital? How do we kind of forecast what could happen and begin to work on those things? Because when you come into our hospital, yes, we're going to give you excellent care because you deserve that. But what brought you to the hospital? And, and are there things we could have done or work with you to even prevent those things from happening? So let's say something uh, real simple. Um, obesity, right? Um, obesity can lead to high blood pressure. It can lead to diabetes and a host of other uh, chronic diseases. And so what are we doing? Those are what we call those social factors that impacts people's health. So how do we work with um, those out in the community to help provide safe spaces for kids to be able to play in, maybe sidewalks for um, neighborhoods um, to be able to walk? Is there street lights so that if it's nighttime, I would be able to walk and feel safe? You know, how do I feel about my neighborhood? And so... As, as a community, we need to think about those things and think about how people are impacted because I might say, hey, you know what? 
you're a little overweight, you need to make sure you watch your diet and exercise. Well, if you live in a place where you don't have access to fresh fruit and vegetables, that becomes a problem. And if you don't feel safe in your neighborhood and you work all day and when you get home it's nighttime and you don't have a safe place to walk, you don't have a sidewalk, you don't have street lights, that becomes a problem. And so we're asking people to do something that they really can't do. So mm -hmm. then we have to say, where are the grocery stores? And these convenience stores that don't sell fresh fruits and vegetables, that's not a help. And I get it because when you are a parent and you're trying to get home and find something and fix for that child because you've worked all day and you want to give them the best you can, trying to drive three, four, five miles out of the way for to find a grocery store. And that's if you have a car. That becomes um, something that we have to think about. So would you think that based upon the way the economy is working, because I think what, since 2013, the price of food has gone up about 30%, 33%. So do you think based upon that and the way living expenses are, that's just driving us to do what's convenient and fast in this instant gratification world, do you think that's going on? Well, I certainly think it plays a part because um, when you think about where, uh, when someone is looking to determine where they're going to put their business, and they begin to scout around, they're not looking to put their business most of the time in an area that's um, a, a low-income area. And if I don't have grocery stores there, and if it is a grocery store there, here's a little assignment for you and, and others who may listen to your podcast. Go into a low-income area, go grocery shopping, buy like... Um, three or four items, you know, get a box of cereal, spaghetti or something, just find four items and then go into a more affluent neighborhood and buy those same four items. And you're going to see in the low income neighborhood, most of the time, those items are more expensive. Now that becomes a problem. So for people who can't naturally, who can't normally afford to spend more money on groceries, we're charging them at a higher rate for food that others who could afford it and we give it to them at a lower rate. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I, I can't wrap my head around this. I, I didn't even know that was happening. It does happen. Not in, not in every place, but there are some places where that does happen. And if you think about, um, there's a term where they call food deserts, right? That's a place where you go and there's not a grocery store within a mile or two. You know, I invite people to go in their neighborhoods and or just go in their city and just begin to ride and see where you see the grocery stores. And then, and not a convenience store, a grocery store, a place where someone could go and get fresh fruits and vegetables. If it's fresh fruits and vegetables, that's it's what you need to be able to um, change your diet, to uh, have better health, that kind of thing. And I don't give you access to that or it's gonna charge you, or you're gonna to have to pay an arm and a leg to get that, that becomes a problem. It's a problem that you can get a burger cheaper than you can get a salad. Um, I've learned that quick. So I, I started uh, my diet, started homing in on that. I'm in the fitness, I've been working about, what, over 11, 12 years now. I started actually homing in my diet to become better in the gym. And the more I home in on my diet, the more money I was spending. And I shop at Publix, a lot of people are like, oh, you're bougie, but it's like, that's the freshest food I can get. I went to Walmart, like Walmart and the strawberries were molding and things of that sort. And I was like, I can't do this. So the more, as you said, the more inclined I become to better myself, the more money I'm spending. And a lot of people can't afford that. And that's just me. 
myself. So a family of what, four? That, I can see that. I can definitely yeah. see that. Absolutely. A family of four living on a limited income. I mean, you got to, um, you're, you're trying to pay rent, a car note, maybe, uh, groceries, things you need for the kid, and don't let someone get sick. Now, if someone gets sick, and you know, hey, my grandma used to say all of us are just a sneeze away from poverty, one paycheck and a sneeze. And so if that's the case, who can really miss two weeks of uh, unpaid time and still keep up with their bills? And so if I'm out because I don't have um, child care, the child is sick or need medicine, it throws everything off. And you know, once you get in the hole, it's not as easy to climb back out of that hole. And so what do we do about that? And, and how do we change that? And, and to me, those are the kind of things we have to look at. Um, the literature says that 80% of what impacts your health happens outside of hospital walls. So if that's the case, that means we need to start looking at other things that impact health and try to help people that way to get healthy. Oh, wow. And that, that is true. You said getting yourself in a substantial uh, drought where I guess, what, 60% of Americans don't even have $1,000 to cover a cost of anything at the current time in their bank account. So I can see where things start to snowball down and your health is going down. Well, you can't afford this and that. So what do you think people are starting to do or the, the state or the government is starting to do or implement to try to better society? Because obesity is, it, it's, it's crazy. It really is crazy. You can go there anywhere, anybody listening right now, just go outside and sit outside. And obesity is anybody what's over 30 pounds and overweight is what, 25.5 to 29.99, if I'm not mistaken. And you, yeah, can see, I mean, you can see this, especially in our kids. Absolutely. And, and you think about it. I Look outside. Well, today it snowed here last night, so no one's outside playing. But on any given day, it's hard to look outside and see children just out riding a bike, playing, you know, some sport, um, just out in the yard. And so we've got to give kids the opportunity to play, but they have to have that protected and safe space to be able to play. Um, so that's going to be important. Well, shoot, even with parents, they just give their uh, child a. Uh iPad or something like that, just to keep them distracted while they can go on their phone and the same thing. It's, it's wild. Yeah, and you know, and let me, um, I, what you just said is a very true statement, that, but I want to also say that, you know, in this line of work, sometimes what I understand is that uh, we do the best we can and sometimes it may not be the best, but in our mind, we're doing the best, right? So you take someone who's worked all day They've just picked up the kids from daycare. They got to get home. They've got to um, get the food ready. They've got to get uh, help with homework. They got to get baths done and do that routine all over again. And I don't know what other stressors may be on their mind. So they're under a, a, a place of chronic stress right now. And so they need a five minute break. And so in order to take that five minute break and do all those other things, they'll give this kid um, a device to help them calm down so that they can have a minute to calm down. And so you're right. We do need to get outside, break away, take our kids out to play. But I do understand that sometimes because of all the stress that we're under, we don't know what else to do. And so sometimes we don't make the best choices in that. And, and, and it's people like you, right? 
who are going to help people see that and begin to change that. Um, I heard in your last podcast, well, one of your other podcasts where you all were talking about fitness and all of that. Um, when I think about um, children who may not have a, um, a male role model or any role model that, that believes in fitness. And then when I said male role model, I was also thinking about those who may not have um, a dad at home, but how do we, you know, embrace our kids and, and be that good friend or good neighbor and say, hey, I'll take them to play basketball. Uh, I'll get out there and kick ball with them. You know, how do we do some of that? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. That's a million dollar question right there. How to implement something like that. And I think it's the way the technology is furthering that everything's becoming simpler. Everything's becoming easy. Everything's becoming instant. Like you can order your food now. You don't have to leave your own, your home. You, you literally don't have to leave your home. You can do grocery shopping and order food from your home. Never have to leave. Absolutely. Because everything comes more accessible and accessible to the realm of what? Non-fitness related. Then again, we're just going to be sitting at home twiddling our thumbs or on social media as that's engulfed most of society itself already. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we are going to do technology. Maybe we should embrace some of those things that help us stay active um, as a family. I have three adult children, but we all have Oculus and um, and they have different things you can do on it. So that's one thing you can have your children and yes. you know, in my case, grandchildren using to kind of stay a little healthy. If they're going to play some kind of technology, let's see if we can get them involved in something like that, at least yeah. some of the time. Make it fun and they don't even notice they're working out or Absolutely. <laughs> his kids will love that. And I want to tune it or turn it back to uh, the COVID related cases. Uh, I was reading up as like 1.36 million uh, cases and about 15,000 deaths in the United States. Um, how, again, how does that equate or how's that changed since you being a nurse for your, your whole uh, career? What did COVID do or change in your eyes? So here's the thing, right? Um, black and brown people have been disproportionately impacted by chronic diseases for a very long time, well before COVID. What COVID did was shine a spotlight on it and people began to really talk about it now there have been studies done even before then that talked about it but here's the part with COVID so if you are an essential worker and who are our essential workers those are the people who are normally on the front line well right. those are people who have jobs who um, can't work from home they still have to get out there so COVID has certainly impacted them because you're right out there in the public you're with people who um will take some of this seriously and, and mask and socially distance and wash their hands, but you're also out there with people who won't. And so it, this disease can, uh, this virus can be easily spread. So that becomes a problem. Then when, when I talked about chronic diseases, that's people who might have things like uh, hypertension, diabetes, asthma, um, even obesity. And so when you think about those kind of things, when, when, or if you have some kind of lung disease like asthma or COPD and you get COVID, um, it, can, it can hit you differently, right? And so you could be the one who's ending up in a hospital or on a ventilator or God forbid uh, in the grave. And so the best thing any of us can do is get vaccinated. We say we love our families, we love ourselves. Vaccination is the best thing we can do to protect our loved ones. 
Now, I'm not, again, I'm, I'm an adolescent, even moving to the medical field, but antibody, vaccina- vaccinations have been here for a long time. I, I get that and I understand that part. Too. But isn't vaccination used to have anti- antibodies? Because I know when I worked at a hospital uh, back in Stafford, the, one of the nurses stated that based upon me not catching the flu was because I'm, I'm like minimally exposed to it working in the hospital. Is that the same course of the vaccination or how does that go about? I don't know, it's a confusing question. I think I understand what you're asking. So if you, when you get the vaccine, what it does is it begins to build up antibodies in your body. And so when you come in contact with COVID, it will recognize that and it has a little defense system and it'll begin to build that up. So it begins to fight that off for you. When you don't have it, it can come in it sets up shop, you know, in your lungs and wherever else it wants to. And then um, you can become very sick. And you've probably heard of those who have had what they call um, COVID long haul, right? Where um, you had COVID, you got over it, but you're, you may have hard, hard problems now. It may have impacted your kidneys. It may have impacted your breathing. You may still feel very tired and don't have the energy that you had before. Um, you're still feeling the impacts of that disease. And so, again, we have to do the best we can to protect ourselves. And when you're out in public, honestly, the best thing you can do is wear a mask, physically distant, that's six feet apart, and um, wash your hands, you know, using hand hygiene techniques. And um, and while we're physically distancing, I remind people, Stay socially connected, right? Um, we have a family that we, we don't go to their house because they're older. And even though all of us are um, vaccinated, we still try to protect them. But we FaceTime, you know? And if we all know we're going to get together, um, like some of us got together over the holiday, you know, it was a time where we made sure that we were really stringent in what we were doing, right? We were careful about what we were doing out in public, who we were around and that kind of thing. Because you need to do some of that so that you can help um, protect your elders or your babies, whoever it is in your bubble that you're trying to protect. Now, keeping your distance, I, uh, is this true or not? I've heard that negates after 15 minutes, the distancing thing isn't a thing anymore. If you're in the room with somebody for a certain amount of time. True. Well, here's the thing, right? Like, So if you and I were in the same room right now and we're six feet apart, there's some other things that play into that. So if it's greater than 15 minutes and we've been talking longer than 15 minutes, well, here's the question. Um, did we have on our mask? Um, did we have some type of ventilation in the room where we could have cool air moving in and out? Or were we in a room that was um, warm on this cold day and neither one of us had on a mask? That's, that's a big difference. Now, could we still get COVID with all the other things going on? It makes it less likely, right? Doesn't okay. mean that you won't get it because even the vaccine isn't 100%, right? That's why they say it's 95% effective. Um, and that's why they tell you you need to get a booster because when you get your your two doses, that means you're fully vaccinated two weeks after that, um, whatever um, dose you got, it'll take you to that whatever efficacy is talking about. But over time, it begins to drop. So you need to get a booster so oh, we can boost sense. your effectiveness back up, right? And so that's why um, 
I believe 95% of those who are in the hospital are those who are unvaccinated or not fully vaccinated. And when you're dealing with Omicron, we know that the booster helps. So you need to be fully vaccinated, but you need to go ahead and get your booster also because it's going to boost you back so that you have a greater level of protection. Now, how for this vaccine, a lot of people are skeptical on this, of course, as you know. How long does it usually take to make a vaccine? I thought it was seven to 10 years annual to make a vaccine. So here's the thing, you know, um, it, it usually does take a while, right? But here's, here's what happened with COVID. And I'm going to applaud our government for this. Um, came and all of these people started dying. You can't wait seven years. You can't because they threw all resources at this. They took out the red tape. And everyone began to work together because we all had one common goal. How do we stop this thing that is killing the masses of people? And they did that. They trialed it. And, and because of that, they saw that it was effective. And then they began to, um, you know, send it out so that people could get vaccinated. And I get being skeptical. Honestly, I do. But here's the thing, right? I mean, I looked at the science behind it. Um, I had to weigh what I felt was, and everyone has to do this. Everyone has to make their own informed decision. But I had to look at the science. I had to make sure I was getting information from a credible source, like CDC. Um, I, I needed to make sure that I understood what was being done. And then I needed to say to myself, okay, what's best for my family? Does the benefits outweigh the risk? And for us, it did, because um, I am a, uh, a cancer survivor, thankful for that, but I understand thank my you. own health, thank you, my own health history. And so with that, I know if I wanna one day see my grandchildren dance and grow up and, and get married, I needed to do what I felt was right um, for us, because I can tell you, there's. There are families who probably wish they had taken the stand. And, and even now with children being impacted, I'm sad to see this, um, especially when we know there's something we could do. And I, I know a lot of people are still rebelling because I was reading an article. Two nurses from Rhode Island were selling COVID cards and made about $1.4 million. Had about $900K, $200 for adults, $85 for kids. They even sold to some officers and agents. And they just... They're facing trial now, so it's it's interesting that people are still rebelling against uh, this whole COVID thing. And I know that was a that that was a what nurses were against it because they're like we we shouldn't have to get it if we're the ones helping and on the front lines. So that was a case. What that was what two months ago, three months ago or so. I think um, I think you're gonna find people on both sides of this, no matter oh, what their profession, right? But I'm, I, I just, um, when you're on the front lines and you're seeing how it is impacting lives and you are there seeing people die, matter of fact, you don't even have to be in uh, the healthcare profession. Hey, somebody in your family by now has probably had COVID, been in the hospital from COVID or died from COVID. So to me, I'm like, I can again that goes back to that lived experience I can go back to my own lived experience and see how it is impacting those in my own personal circle and and see the decision that I need to make based on that oh, that, was, yeah. 
And do you feel like most deaths are ruled COVID? Because that was a thing at one time. Um, people were, because I guess the government was giving certain hospitals. This, again, this is what I read, giving certain hospitals extra money to, to treat COVID patients. Well, I, I think when you, so when you come in, most hospitals, and I, I can't speak for all hospitals because I don't know how they do it, but I know that for most hospitals, when you come in, um, if you have, everyone is usually screened, right? I know at least in hours, you're screened for COVID symptoms. If you have any of those symptoms, we're going to test you. If you're coming in for some type of procedure, whether you have the symptoms or not, we're going to test you. And if you um, are positive, then there is, um, based on whatever is going on with you, your symptoms or whatever, we're going to follow a protocol based on that. And I think most hospitals do that. And now we're just going to freestyle this because I don't got any more notes or anything like that. What else do you think the public should be hearing about their health or something that you want to portray before we wrap this up? Hey, you know, yeah, let me tell you, there are other things out here outside of COVID that that is and can kill us, right? The flu. Get your flu shot. And I know historically, Black people don't want to get flu shots. I get that. I I, I What do you think that is? It's the mistrust of the healthcare system. It's, it's just those historical things that have happened. And, you know, back in the day, somebody said, oh, you know what? Grandma or great grandma got the flu shot and she didn't do well. She died that year. Um, and probably she may have already had the flu before she got the flu shot. I don't know. I mean, that's their lived experience. I can't talk about that. But here's the thing. That may have happened to great grandma way back then. We've been perfecting things since then. And so now, what is the case now when they're um, giving us uh, flu vaccines? So we need to, you know, come and, and, and go ahead and step out of that and get some of those things done. So flu vaccines, I, I, I'm a strong proponent of that. Um, it is something that's killing our people and we need to get. The other thing is, is that you know, health screenings. Um, COVID didn't help because people are now afraid to go to the doctor because they don't want to be sitting in a waiting room with someone who might have COVID and all of that. So I get that too, but you still got to get your screenings done. You know, um, there's a few numbers that everyone needs to know. You need to know your blood pressure number. Blood pressure is the silent killer. And um, because you can walk around, you can be as healthy as a hog and not know that you have high blood pressure unless you get it checked. But if you get it checked, there are things we can do that we can help you with that. And um, and you go back and look, you'll see that more black people than white people die from blood pressure, uh, from cardiovascular disease, disease like uh, strokes and heart attacks, those kind of things. And so we need to do that. And sometimes you'll hear people say, well, you know, um, my blood pressure is high, but, uh, it, it works for me. I feel good. When I'm on the medicine, I feel bad. Well, that tells me you need to go back to your doctor and your doctor needs to work with you to get you on a medicine that works for your body because your blood pressure shouldn't be high all the time. That is just not right. And if you can't, if your physician is not working with you, find you another physician. That's right. Advocate your for life. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your diabetic number is the other one, right? Diabetes. So 
Um, you can go, most hospitals or your health department, they do these uh, free screenings. We do them all the time. And they have this one, it's called A1C. It tells what your, your, how your diabetes or sugar number has been looking over two to three months. So that gives you a better idea if you have a, a diabetic problem, right? So that's going to be good. Go get that done. And then cholesterol. We need to know what our arteries look like. Are they getting starting to get clogged? Because those kind of things lead to strokes and heart attacks. And if we know those numbers, no matter how well we're feeling, if, if they're high, you know, diet and exercise can help with that. And if they are really high, we might need a little medicine to help with that. And if we do, that's okay. Let's just take the medicine. Right. Wow. Do you, do you, that's why, that's what always makes me find some little meme is that, Black people are only people that pray over their food and say, let us be new, nourish, nourish our body and strengthen our soul. They ain't, ain't going to strengthen, nourish your body or strengthen your soul. Come on, <laughs> moderation, everything in moderation. Because a lot of people are asking me, um, I had a lady actually hit me up. She was going to work out and I commented on her story. She was eating all the bad foods and then she had a heart attack. And she's like, hey, I need, I need to take this serious. I need to take this serious. But then she went right back to what she was doing. And, and it takes time, but you got to have accountability partner. That's why I tell people, have somebody help you. And it's okay. We all need help. Trust me, I need help every day. But have somebody help you through this process because your health is the number one thing you have as well. You're, you have one body. You can buy a new car, everything like that. You have one body. So take heed to that. You know, you are so right. And it's the accountability piece that sometimes we don't have. And, and that can be for a lot of reasons, right? Um, I may not be accountable because I don't have someone um, who I trust like that in my space. And let me just say, you know, it, sometimes when we're overweight, it's kind of hard to say, hey, I need to lose 10 pounds. Will you be accountable with me um, and tell you what my weight is and what I'm trying to get down to or what I'm struggling with? And I think we have to get over that and try and work through that. I mean, even on your podcast, listen to you, they see that, you know, you're into health, you're into the gym, you're into eating right and all of that, hey, I'm sure you'd be happy to drop them a line of encouragement. They probably could tune in um, as often as you to your podcast and hear you say <laughs> something that would encourage them to help them stay on that, um, that track. And that's a sense of accountability too. So it doesn't have to be someone just getting up in your business if people think about it like that. Um, some don't want to go to the gym. Um, or they need a different form of exercise, right? Like I have a, um, a knee that's uh, not the best. And so what I've done is I've found a place where they show you how to do chair exercises. I'm going to physical therapy so I can get my knee strengthened. So we have to think about those kind of things that we can do. So I might can't go in there and do some of the stuff that other people do, but there are. I can go and find a way to find chair. Right. Absolutely. And so that's what we have to do, in my opinion. Excuses shouldn't exceed your effort. And that's, even if you start small and minimum, like a lot of people, that's why New Year's resolutions don't work. I'm going to do a podcast on that. I think next week, people start so high and they just don't do the minuscule work. Like, okay, you want to eat healthier. Maybe I should, maybe, I'm not going to, you can't just say I'm going to eat fruit, veggies all the time. Maybe I should take out sugar or so much salt. You know, start with the small things and those small bricks will build a, a wall and a foundation to something larger. You just don't need to start. You, some people can do that. Good. Cool. But it starts small, minuscule. Right. No, I, I agree. And um, find you some 
some quick and easy, healthy recipes. My, my daughter, Natasha, who you know, she's really good at that. I mean, she can cook anything, but um, I'm a vegetarian. And so when she comes home, she's always finding these really good meals that she can cook for me that I can enjoy while I'm home. And I'm like, hey, send me some recipes. But she's been developing these quick and easy things that you can do that is, is low cost, um, it's nutritious, but it's still um, um, has that ethnic quality that we can enjoy. And so I appreciate that. And so, cause you want your food to taste good. You know, you're not trying to eat no bland food. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. She, she, I was talking to her. She is uh, launching her uh, cooking show channel or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, she is. And uh, I think it's going to be really nice. I mean, she, she's been, making some meals this week and sending me pictures. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, and, and she still eats meat. But again, it's like you said before, it's doing things in moderation, but she also puts in alternatives so that people like me can find, um, can have the same meal, but with a meat substitute or I love mushrooms. So she might have something where I can eat um, the mushrooms that I love, or she'll tell me to use the beyond meat and, you know, in, place of whatever else she might have so would you happen to know the her business so i can do a shout out for her try to draw some people over that way yeah it's called a, oh my gosh now look it just left my i'm mind. looking right now on my phone i was trying to bring it up let me see let me y'all gonna have to hold with us it's something cuisine oh chaotic cuisine chaotic, chaotic cuisine now where can they find that or look that up that that on facebook it might be. Oh, Julian, I feel like I'm a bad mom right now. I can't. I'm, tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do another shout out next podcast. I'm trying to shout out the business every uh, podcast to help everybody grow. So I'll make sure I, I shout out. I said this whole time I thought she burnt water. Like I used to make fun of her and stuff like that, but she can cook. cook. <laughs> now she's an excellent cook. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get her on here too as well. But I, I thank you so much for taking your time to come on my podcast. It means a lot. Absolutely. No, it's been my pleasure. And um, thank you for being willing to listen. It was a, it was a pleasure to speak with you today. All right. Man. We'll stay in touch. And um, thank you all for enjoying on Enlighten Me. And we're signing off. Take care.